Thanks for joining us for our Sunday worship gathering. Today is Vision Sunday, and we're looking at what God has for us next. Let's prepare our hearts and give a warm welcome to our lead pastor, Bob Schwann. Uh, I don't need much energy from you today because uh, I, I'm excited about the things that we're talking about. I love talking about our vision around here. I want you to know, as a church, I want you to know what are the things that are making our heart beat? Where is it that we're going? And if you're a guest here today, I'm actually really excited that you're here as well because you're probably asking the question, is, is this going to be my home? Do I want to make this my church home? And I want you to know really clearly what does it mean if I'm going to hitch my wagon to this outfit? Where in the world are they going? And if you're here today and you're just exploring faith, I'm actually very, very excited that you're here because I want you to hear once and for all definitively what is God's purpose for his church. I want you to understand not only is Journey's expression of that, but in the big picture, what is it that God wants to accomplish through his church? Now, I've been a part of a lot of Vision Sundays throughout my church life and opportunities to watch people get up here. And I felt inside that there was almost like this little bit of pressure in me that we needed to come up with something that was just incredibly grandiose, this big picture, way out there vision of what God was inviting us to do. We're going to build this building. We're going to start this program. We're going to launch these projects. But friends, as I sat with God, he said, I don't want you to just talk about the things that you're going to do. All those things that I just said there are things that we can do. And we're going to do a lot of really cool things. But as I sat with the Lord, he said, Bob, I want your people to understand who do I want them to be? What do I want my church to be? Because quite honestly, friends, if we don't get that figured out, if we're not internally who it is that God has invited us to be, calls us to be, it doesn't matter what it is that we have out there that we want to do. We're never going to get there. God has to do something in us before he does something through us. But when we talk about vision, I mean, the word just implies that it's something visual. It's actually something that you see. It's a picture of the future. Like imagine this picture right here that they're going to put up that's not my bald head. It's a picture. It's something you can see. In your mind's eye, you say, that is a desired future. I want to move toward that. I want to give my life toward that. I want to climb that mountain. I want us to think today about vision being a picture, but I also want us to think today about that picture being a puzzle. And that's why I gave you that puzzle piece, that picture that you just saw is this puzzle. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of today as we talk about vision. Every one of us that's here and everyone that's watching online, you are a piece of the puzzle. Every one of us is a piece of the puzzle. Everybody has something that we need to bring to the picture in order for the picture to be complete. Have you ever done those puzzles where when you get to the very end, there's like pieces that are missing? Like, I, I don't know if I'm just that crazy person that's kind of type A, everything's got to have closure, but it just drives me absolutely nuts. We don't want to see the picture of the future with any pieces missing. So here's the question that I want going through your mind all day as I talk today. Well, I'm not going to talk all day, but 
You know what I mean. This morning as I talk, but I want you to be thinking about it even when you leave. What is my piece of the puzzle? And here's what I want to say. I said, I don't, I, we're not going to talk necessarily about these huge grandiose things that we're going to do. But what I don't want you to think is that I'm trying to take this vision that God is calling us down to and making it something lower than what it is that he wants us to do. Because I believe the redemptive potential of this group of people is amazing. And I think God wants to do amazing things in our valley to bring people to faith in Christ. And we're gonna move toward that as a group continually. It's always gonna be a part of what we do. But here's what I want you to understand. The things that I'm gonna talk about today are revolutionary and they're transforming. But this is what I want you to say when you're walking back out to your car, when you think about the vision that we're talking about, I want you to think this, like that, that was pretty simple. There wasn't a lot of complexity to that. I want you to think, you know, that was very biblical. Like as I heard him talk about that, that seems like that reflects God's heart for not only me, but for our church and for the world. It's simple, it's biblical. And I want you to say, man, there's a lot of common sense in that. That just makes sense to me. And I especially want you to say this, that is going to be incredibly challenging. That is not something that we can pull off in and of ourselves. This is something that God is gonna have to do something unique. God's spirit is gonna have to do something in and through us to create the kind of church that is gonna have the impact that we want to see him have. So I want you to be thinking about this picture, but I want you to be thinking about the puzzle, and I want you to be asking the question over and over, what is my role? What is God inviting me into? What is the part of this picture that I need to play? And when I think about God's vision for his church, there's three simple things and some simple phrases that I've captured to us to kind of unpack today. And it's this, it takes everyone. God's vision for his church, it takes everyone connected together. All of us have to be connected together and how are we connected together? It's everyone connected together as spiritual families. And what are these spiritual families doing? They're serving the mission of Jesus in the world. Let me just say that all together. It takes everyone connected together as spiritual families serving the mission of Jesus in the world. When God talks about his vision for his church, not our church, any church, the capital C church, all churches, he uses a lot of metaphors. There's pictures that he wants us to grab a hold of. Sometimes he uses a metaphor of a building or a temple that we're all being built together. We're all part of this building that's being built together and that God's presence, his power and presence is gonna dwell within that building. Sometimes he uses the metaphor of a body, a human physical body that has all these different parts that work together to accomplish amazing things. Sometimes he uses the metaphor of a family, meaning that's how we connect with one another. The way we relate to one another around God's church should look a lot like a healthy family. That's the picture that God gives us. And this is what we have to understand is that it takes everyone, all of us, everyone having skin in the game, but connected together. Each piece, each one of us is a piece of this larger picture. And the question for us again, and I'm gonna say it, and I'm gonna say it again, what is my role? 
What is my piece of the pie? What is my piece of the puzzle? What is the role that God wants me to play? When Paul starts to talk about this picture of what it looks like for us to be connected together, I said earlier, one of the things he talks about is this picture of a human body. And this is how he describes it in the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. He says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. You can catch what Paul's emphasis is. It's about oneness. It's about unity. It's about being united in a common purpose. What is the vision that God is calling us to? And how do we connect with each other around this? But what Paul is trying to make really clear for us is that it takes everyone. Nobody sits on the bench. Nobody takes a pass. Every one of us has got to have skin in the game. As I was thinking about standing up here and saying what I just said, I had this fear as I was sitting there writing this. And my fear was this, that there would be some people out there that when I said that, that it takes everyone, that there would be something that would go off in your mind where you would say this, he's not talking about me. He's not talking about me because he doesn't even know me. I don't even feel like anybody else around here knows me. He might be talking to them, but he's not talking to me. And I just want to say as emphatically as I can, that is not true. I am especially talking to you because it takes everyone. There is no piece of the puzzle. No one of these pieces has more value than another in God's eyes. And what God is trying to say is that every one of these, everyone has to be connected or the picture is not complete. Every one of us are different. We have different roles. We have different gifts. We have different personalities, different temperaments, completely different. But God wants us to be connected together for his greater purposes. And Paul was so adamant about this that he continues in that same text in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body. God himself has arranged the parts of the body. He's decided how it is that we would be connected to one another. That's why we've got to be asking him the question, God, what is my role? What is my piece of the pie? But God, in fact, has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, every one of them, not some of them, not most of them, he says, every one of them, every stinking one of us, God has a plan for us in that. To be the body of Christ, every one of us has to show up. And this is how we need to show up, friends. Every one of us needs to bring our full self, all of who we are, to the table. All of our time, all of our energy, all of our gifts, our talents, our resources. It's going to take all of us bringing all of who we are but you know what else we need to bring to the table with all of those things? We need to bring our quirks. We need to bring our junk. We need to bring our baggage. We need to bring those rough edges. We need to bring our dysfunction. 
We all have that, don't we? We've all got that. And what God is saying is we need to bring all of that to the table. And this is why I say, friends, that I believe that for this to happen, that it has to be a move of God to create something like that amongst people. And here's why I think that. I was reflecting on this. I thought about how much work and energy it takes for me to try to be one with one person, my wife. And there's no person on this planet that I am more excited and more motivated to be one with. But it takes an incredible amount of effort and energy to be one in life, just with her. And now God extends the picture. He wants all of us to be one together, united in purpose, loving and serving one another. And I look at that and I just think, God, that's got to be something that only you can do. Only you can accomplish something of that magnitude. But you know why it's so important? Is because friends, we need each other. We need each other desperately. Not just to get things done, not just to try to accomplish some things. We need each other just to maintain faith. Just to keep our walks with God going. We need each other. I was thinking about this season of life and some of the challenges that have gone on in my own personal life. In my missional community, we meet on Monday nights and there have been so many times that throughout the Monday, as I've just reflected on life and just walking through the things that are so challenging, I get to the end of the day and I feel so defeated, so depleted. And I'm thinking about, oh my word, there's all these people that are gonna be showing up at my home. And there's just this desperation that's going on in my heart, I just think, God, I don't feel like I have anything to give. And if I were really honest, if I wasn't leading it and it wasn't in my home, I'd probably figure out a way not to go because I just want to curl up in the corner and suck my thumb and be by myself. (laughs) But then about six o'clock, the door just starts opening. There's no knock at the door because we're family. People just walk in. That's how we do it. But as people start to walk in, I find myself moving to the front door and giving hugs to people as they come in. And I start to see something happening inside of me. We go and we have dinner together, and we laugh and we cry and we talk about things that are happening in life. And oftentimes I start to hear about from some people where God is breaking through in their life. And my heart starts to be encouraged because I start to think, God, you are real, you're alive, you're at work in the lives of people around me. And sometimes I'll hear a hard story. Someone that needs prayer, they need me to get my hands on them and pray over an issue in their life. And there's something that even starts to grow in my spirit then because I'm serving someone else. And my wife and I, at this point, we've gotten to where we laugh about it because I I talk about how tired I am when I come home and I don't know if I have any energy. But every time when we close the door behind the last person that leaves our house, she looks at me and she said, I know what you're gonna say. I love those people. And it's true, I love those people. But it's more than that. I don't just love those people, I need those people. I need what happens when I get together with them. I need to be encouraged by them. I need to encourage them. I need them in my life. That's what God is saying. For us to accomplish the vision that God has for our church, the redemptive potential of journey, we've got to get to the place where we see connection with one another like that. Like Paul talks about in the scriptures here. But Paul doesn't just stop with this idea of this body analogy, this body metaphor. 
He talks about how we relate to one another. It should be like a family, a healthy family. I think God loves that metaphor because he in the New Testament refers to himself as a father. And what does he want us to be referred to as? He wants us to be his children. And that makes us brothers and sisters, family. It makes us family. What does a healthy family look like? I love the picture that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians chapter two. Because in this healthy family, Paul starts to talk about how it's a family that's for others. It's not about what I can get, it's about what I can give to other people. And here's how Paul describes his interaction with this family of believers. Starting in verse seven, it says, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you but we were gentle among you. How were we gentle? Like a mother. Paul says, I was like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted. It brought great delight to me to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. I love that description. Paul's like, Paul wasn't just about giving them information. Here's the facts. Here's the Bible. Paul said, we didn't just give you the gospel. I gave you my life as well. We did life together. We did it like a family. I was like a mother to you. And then Paul starts to talk about how did that play out in life? It played out in great sacrifice on behalf of other people. But as you listen to Paul, it doesn't sound like he's begrudging. He's enjoying the sacrifice. He says, verse nine, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to you while we preached the gospel of God to you. And he continues, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with you, that we dealt with each of you, how? As a father. Dealt with you as a father, deals with his own children. And what does that father do? He encourages, he comforts, he urges them to live lives worthy of God who calls them into his kingdom and his glory. It's a family marked by this caring, nurturing like a mother, but like a father that comes alongside and he puts his arm around a son or a daughter and says, I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna do things that are gonna bring courage to your life because I know that you're gonna need it. And sometimes you're gonna be so beat down that I'm gonna be that one that comes along and comforts you because you need it. But there's also gonna be times like a father that I'm gonna need to urge you. And that word could be translated exhort, admonish. I'm gonna have to tell you to do something because we've gotta keep this picture of who God is. We wanna live lives worthy of him. And I'm gonna have to urge you along to keep that picture in your mind and to keep moving toward it. It's this beautiful picture of family. And here's what I wonder, Journey, what would it be like? What What would it be like if that picture of family was what everybody experienced around here. That that's what people came to know Journey as. I went there and I experienced family. I just wonder what would it be like when people came through the doors here, every one of us that calls Journey our home, and the things that were on our mind is I'm here for others. 
I want to be a mother. I want to be a father. I want to encourage. I want to comfort. I want to exhort. I want to be here for others. I want to care for people. I want to serve people. I want to build a family with these people. What if that's what we came in here thinking about? But you know, I've got to be honest. I sense it. I experience it. And I read about it all the time. Consumerism in our country, in my opinion, has invaded the church. We don't think about the church in a way, how do I give my life to others? Oftentimes, what people even call consumer Christianity is I come in here and I'm just thinking, what is in it for me? How do I get what I need? Am I gonna be fed? Am I gonna get what I want? And I've just gotta be bold and I've gotta be honest and I've gotta tell you, that kind of thinking is absolutely and totally contrary to the gospel. It's not the church that Jesus died for. This is how I would describe the church that Jesus died for. It would be this, that we walk in here, that we would be so aware of the magnitude of what it is that God has done for us in Christ. His love that's been poured out in our lives. His grace that's been poured out in our lives. We are so aware of that. And our life is so full of that that we can't do anything, we can't help do anything, but wanna pour that out into the lives of other people around us. That that would be our heart and our mind as we walk into places like this. Christianity and maturity in our faith, it was never about how much we know, how do I get what I want, how do I get things from the church? It's always been about how do I so internalize the radical love of Jesus in my own life that I can't do anything other than put that radical faith in action in the lives of other people around me. That's our vision. That's what we want this place to be about, that everyone that would ever walk in these doors, those would be the kinds of things that they experience. I think about a friend of mine. She was at our missional community, and we've had different conversations about this whole consumer Christianity idea. And she's kind of feisty, and so she said, I determined that I am not going to be a consumer when I show up at Journey. And this was her action step. She said, you know, when we do that greet thing where we meet somebody, this is what I decided that I'm going to do. I'm going to meet them and get their name, remember their name. And when the gathering is over, I'm going to go up to them and I'm just going to simply ask them, is there something that I can pray for you about? Is there anything that I can do for you? And she says, it's just been amazing people's response to that. Sometimes people are, you know, just like, well, I'm fine. Everything's going okay. But sometimes there are people that have deep needs and they need somebody to come around them. What would it be for us, Journey? What would it be like if every person experienced that as they came here? Someone that calls Journey their home that is just reaching out to them. Someone that they don't know and just saying, I just want to get my arms around you. I want to get my life around you. I want the love of Christ to be poured into you. And I just want to do it in a simple, little, tangible way. It would change this environment. I wouldn't sit out at the front desk and hear people say, I can't get connected around here. I don't know anybody around here. It would be so different. People would say, hey, I need a little space. There's a lot of people around here. And we want to respect that. We realize that some of you are just slipping in and you want to be anonymous right now because you're just checking things out. We want to respect that. But there will come a time When you come to faith in Christ, you're going to want to have people around you and we want to be ready when you're ready. We want to be that kind of church. We've got to have that kind of environment. 
And I'm just going to say it really bluntly, Journey. For us to be able to be this kind of a church that lives out this kind of a family feel, we have got to see God raise up leaders who are willing to be like Paul, that are willing to be spiritual mothers and fathers to people around them, that are willing to invest their life in the lives of other people, that are willing to create time and space and money to be able to invest in the lives of other people. It can't just be a handful of us. We've got to have dozens of these spiritual families everywhere around our church if we're gonna fulfill what God is asking us to be as a church. And in this next year, so help me, this is what we're gonna be about. We're gonna identify who are those people. Who are those people that wanna live like that? Live on mission for others, serve other people. We wanna identify those people, we wanna recruit those people. We want to equip and train those people and we want to deploy them to make a difference in our church and in the valley. That's where we're headed. Would you be one of those people? Would you be one of those people? It can't just be a handful. And when we think about this vision that God has for his church, it's this idea of connectedness. It's this idea of family. But family was never the end goal for Jesus It wasn't just for us to be a family, to enjoy each other. That's a piece of it, but it was never the end goal. God's family has a mission in the world. His family has a mission in the world and his instrument to carry out that mission is what he calls the church. We have a mission because we serve a missionary God. He is a missionary God. Two weeks ago, we stood on this stage, if you were here around Christmas, and we celebrated that very reality that our God is a missionary God. He wasn't willing to just stand in heaven and hope that we figure things out down here and figure out our way there. What did we celebrate? We celebrated the reality that God came to us on a mission, as a missionary. He came to us on our turf so that he could connect with us so that he could relate to us, so that he could show us how to live. How are we supposed to live this life? He came to show us what is the heart of God? What is the heart of the Father? He came to us because he was on a mission. And friends, if we are gonna follow him, we are gonna be on a mission as well. There's no way of getting around. You can't follow a missionary God without being called into his mission with him. And Jesus made it so absolutely clear. This is why he came. Luke 19:10, when he was trying to explain why he came, he said, "For the son of man came why? To seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost." Jesus loves his family. He loves a spiritual family. But you know what else he loves? He loves growing his spiritual family. He loves growing his spiritual family. He loves you. If you're here, he loves you. If you're a follower of him, he loves you. But he really loves people who aren't here. He really loves people who don't want to be here. He loves people that loathe the idea of coming here on a weekend. He loves those people. And you know why I know that? Is because I read about his life. Who are the people that chased after Jesus? They weren't the religious people. 
They were the people that were irreligious. Those were the ones that wanted to spend time with Jesus. They didn't want religion. They wanted Jesus. They loved him. And you know what? Jesus loved them back. Friends, that's the mission that Jesus is calling us into, to reach out and to love those that aren't here. We want to love each other that are here well, but we want to reach out and be Christ to those people that aren't here. Because Jesus also made it clear. He told this little parable about a hundred sheep. And he said, I've got a heart that if one of those sheep wanders off, you know what I'm going to be about? I'm going to be about going after that one sheep. It's not because I don't care about the 99. I love the 99. But my heart is for the one. I just believe with everything in me that if Jesus were walking the streets of Bozeman today, he would not be here with us right now. He would be somewhere else. He would probably more likely be at the cat's paw than he would be right here because what is his heart? His heart is for the one. His heart is for the one that doesn't know him and it will always be. And if we're gonna follow him, friends, our heart has to be for the one as well. We need to be on mission with him. We need to be a missional church. And sometimes in the church world, that idea of missional gets thrown around and people are like, what, what exactly does that even mean for us to be a missional church? In 90 seconds, I'm gonna do the best job I can to explain to you what is a missional church. Let's watch this video. This is the missional church. In the past, churches have focused most of their resources creating the most inviting worship experience possible for the community in which they were situated. Great music, compelling teaching, and a host of programs designed to gather people together were the staple of such churches. Anyone who wanted to come was welcome, and church members were encouraged to invite their friends and neighbors. Most people had a good experience. But church members began to rely on the church leaders to do the work of conveying God's story in the world. They thought if someone could be brought to an event, they could hear about Jesus from a teacher, and that was the extent of reaching out to the community. Inviting people became the primary method of evangelism. Missional church members, on the other hand, are empowered to be the church in the community. The church trains, resources, encourages, and challenges its people to live out the good news in their community with those who would otherwise be suspicious of organized church. The church sends out its members to live among people unfamiliar with church customs, songs, and what it holds sacred, just like a foreign missionary. The missional church recognizes, then, that every believer embodies the life of the church in their neighborhood, in their school, or at their place of work, each one of them telling God's story in the context of compassionate and genuine relationships. We want our Sunday worship gatherings to continue to be a great place to invite friends, and we want Journey to be a missional church equipping and challenging each other to demonstrate the radical love of Christ in our community. I hope you caught that one phrase in there. Every one of us embodies the church, meaning every one of us embodies the life of Christ. And it's what are we going to do to take that to the world that we live in? There's this picture that I have in my mind, and I'm one of those guys that when I get on an airplane, uh, I just love maps. I love to look at maps, so I can't even get through a, a leg of a flight without pulling out the in-flight magazine and looking at the maps. And oftentimes you'll see a map that looks like this. And you see where all those lines are coming into that one place, that hub city right there. But there's places where they're being sent out into all these other places around the country. 
Friends, when I think about what it means for us to be a missional church, is that Journey Church, this weekend worship gathering, is that hub experience. But what difference is that hub experience going to make? The missional church says, I'm going to leave this hub and I'm going to go to my neighborhood. I'm going to go to my place of work. I'm going to go to my school. I'm going to go to the places where God has me, where I've got influence in the lives of people that maybe at this point in their life, they have no interest in God or church. And I'm going to be the church to them. I'm going to show this radical love of Jesus that he just threw all over the place when he was here on this earth. I'm going to do that in the lives of people around me. And I'm going to ask God to show me, how do I do that? Every day when I wake up, I'm going to think, God, how can I show your love in the life of somebody else? Friends, if our vision starts to come to fruition, it's not going to be about our seating capacity. It's not going to be just about how many people come here. It's going to be about our sending capacity. What kind of people leave here and live their life throughout the week? Are they on mission with Jesus? Because that's where he's at. That's where he's at throughout the week. Are we going to be on mission with him? Because I think a lot of the evangelism in the future, it's not going to take place in environments like this. It's going to take place in kitchens, in living rooms, backyards, parks, pubs. That's where we need to take the gospel. That's where we need to take the life and the message of Jesus Christ. Every one of us thinking about how do I show the radical love of Jesus to the world around me? You know, I just got exposed to a story of a family that attends our church. And, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of know people over time, but you don't always know the things that are going on underneath the surface in their lives. And probably a decade ago, they were at a place in life where they just, there was affluence in their life. But some of the things that happened around 08 brought incredible, incredible devastation to their life and to their family. They lost absolutely everything. They lost their house. They lost their cars. They lost their furniture. She lost all her jewelry. Complete 180, completely turned around. The word that she used was poverty. We ended up in a poverty situation. And she talked about what it was like around the holidays when she would go to the food bank to get food and she would go to the Salvation Army. And she said, I used to have this thought as I would show up there. I just kept thinking, if I just had a hundred dollars, If I just had $100, I could get something for my kids for Christmas. I could have a turkey at Christmas if I just had $100. Some life things have turned the other way for them now, where they're back in a situation uh, quite uniquely that they have relative affluence again. But this Christmas, she said, it's got to be different It's got to be different. And she said, I want to be down there at the Salvation Army. I want to be there because I know that there are people that are saying just what I said. If I just had $100. So she went down there. Their family went. And they just had cards with $100 in it. And they would just look at someone that they thought that person looks like they might need something. And they gave them a card. And it was cool. They had, they just with their phone just videoed it really simply, really easily. But you just watch the responses of people. They were just blown away that someone would come up to them and give them $100 around Christmas. Tears, gratitude. Friends, that's just one person. One person, because of what God has done in their life, is thinking, how do I show the radical love of Jesus to the life of someone else around me? 
But here's what I start to think. That's just one person, one family. Let's just think about the magnitude of our church. There's probably a couple thousand people that call Journey Church their home. What if every week there were people that that was their mindset? What can I do to show the radical love of Jesus to someone in my sphere of influence? Friends, you don't have to be a math major or a math whiz to just think, what is the relative size? If we had 2,000 people doing that in a valley of 80,000, doing that every week, it would change our valley. It would change the feel of our valley. It would change the atmosphere. Just one family. Friends, that's the picture. What is it going to take for all of us to grab a hold of that? And the question that I started with, I want to ask again, what is your piece? What is your piece of the puzzle to connect to that vision? And I imagine that there are people all over the place, all over the map, in terms of where they're at as it relates to connecting to the vision of Journey Church. I know that there's probably a good handful of you that you just kind of bop in here every once in a while, you know, maybe once a month. This is what I would want to challenge you to do. Would you consider becoming a regular attender of Journey? Now, maybe in your mind, you're just thinking, oh man, here's a pastor. He just wants their numbers to get up. I don't care about our numbers, but I care about you and I care about you getting connected. And I know the more often that you're here, the better chance you have of getting connected to the life of Christ in this community. Would you consider, would you just consider being a regular attender? Make it a priority in your life. Some of you, maybe you're at that place where you are a regular attender, but I wanna ask you, would you increase your level of ownership around the things that we're doing around here? Would you be willing to serve around here to try to create that atmosphere that I'm talking about? That atmosphere where everyone that walks through these doors would feel just incredibly loved and valued. Like they were expecting me. They were waiting for me. Ushers at the door, greeters at the door. All kinds of ways that we can serve and create that kind of, and it doesn't even have to be an official title. You can do that any way you want. You could be just like my friend that just said, I'm just gonna ask one person every week, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do to help you? Just increase your level of ownership in the vision. Would you do that with us? There's some of you that you serve around here, you're a part of it, but when I paint that picture of a spiritual family, you just think that that's not me, I don't have that. Maybe your next step is that you need to commit to a spiritual family. And the way we're trying to express that around our church is what we call a missional community. Maybe you need to give that a shot to try to be connected to a group of people that are trying to follow Jesus and follow him on mission. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe some of you, your next step is you've been around here for a while and you need to be like Paul was. You need to be a spiritual mother, a spiritual father. You need to be a spiritual parent to other people to start to think about how can I leverage my life and my time and my schedule and my money to be able to make space to invest in the spiritual lives of other people. Maybe there's something in your heart that you just know that's my next step. I need to lead and disciple others. Now, I hope you catch this. I don't want there to be in any way that you walk out of these doors in light of what I just said, feeling like I just put a big should on your shoulders. I don't want you to feel a should. I want you to feel an opportunity. I want you to feel an invitation from God himself. Not a, not a should from a church, but an invitation from the God of the universe saying, come be a part. Come be a part of what I'm doing in the world. Would you join me in my mission? No shoulds around here. We're not gonna do that.
And I was wrestling with this question. How will we know as we start to move toward a vision like this, how will we know if we're being successful? And this is what I landed on. I think if we are being successful in living out this kind of mission in our church and in our valley, we would be missed. If Journey just decided one day we're gonna pull up our stakes, we're gonna sell the building, we're gonna go do something else, Journey would be missed. Even the most hardened critic of Christianity, maybe someone that doesn't believe anything that we believe would say, I didn't buy anything that they were selling, but doggone it, I miss them. They were good for our community. I knew that they cared about us. Friends, if we're successful in showing the radical love of Jesus, we would be people that would be missed. It was so fun when we were at the Christmas stroll. I was serving around that and just giving people free s'mores, nothing extravagant. But I was kind of interacting with a lady that was there and she was making her s'more and she was just kind of excited and the whole atmosphere. And we were just talking about how cool this was. We gave her a free s'more. And then she looked at me and she, her countenance completely changed and she goes, is this a church that did this? And I was like, you could tell by the way she said it that there was a right and a wrong answer to that question. Um, but I just swallowed hard and sucked it up and said, yes, this was a church. And then you could tell her countenance kind of diminished a little bit more and she goes, what church is this? And I said, this is Journey Church. Her response was she started to smile. She said, I love Journey Church. She said, I know some people that go to Journey Church and they're some of the most happy people that I know. It was very obvious to me that she was not a church person, but this is what I know. The impact of lives of people around Journey has at least given her a taste, of maybe just a tiny taste of what the kingdom's like. And this is what I believe to be true. I don't know where she's at spiritually or what maybe God is doing in her life, but I believe that if God starts to stir something in her and she starts to wonder about the things of God, I believe that Journey Church might be a place that she would check out because she loves people from Journey Church. And this is what I believe to be true. I'm speculating a little bit, but I believe it's because there are people around her, you, maybe you're her friend. In some way, somehow, you've expressed to her the radical love of Jesus. You put it into action. Here's how Peter described it in 1 Peter chapter two, talking about how do we live in this world? He says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits you. Jesus made it really clear how people are gonna know if we belong to him or not. And it's all about love. He said they're gonna know not only about how you love them, but by how you love each other. That's how people are gonna know. Friends, if we are gonna fulfill the vision that God is gonna, we've got to embrace this radical love that's been poured out onto us by Christ himself. And we've got to figure out, God, how do you want me to extend that into the world around me? What is my piece? What is my piece of the puzzle? This is what I want you to do. I want you to grab that piece, puzzle piece and I want you to look at it. 
And after you leave here, I want you to keep that in a place where you can see it regularly. So you're continually asking yourself the question, what is my role in this vision? What is my role in seeing this picture come to fruition? I love my wife when I was telling her what I was gonna do with these puzzle pieces. She said, well, I know what I'm gonna do with it. I'm gonna make a necklace. So this is what she did with her puzzle piece. She made a little necklace that she can wear that would remind her, what is my piece of the puzzle? God has a place for me to play, a role for me to play. What is my piece gonna be? As you set your things aside, I want you to just look at that puzzle piece and start a conversation with God and just ask him, what is my piece of the puzzle? God, we just want to humbly come before you today and just acknowledge that it's your vision for your church. It's not Bob's vision. It's not the council's vision. It's not the pastoral staff vision. God, it's your vision for your church. And we want to come up under you and we just ask you, God, how do you want us to live that out? How do you want us to show your radical love how do you want us to put your radical love in action in our community? Jesus, we want to be just like you and how you did that. Show us how to do it. And not for our sake and not for the sake of journey, but for the sake of your great name, God, we want to see you high and lifted up. And we want to see people drawn to you. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and risen name that we pray. Amen. Before I leave the stage, I want to have one opportunity for a shameless plug for our series that's starting next week. Uh, I said a couple times throughout our, this message that for this vision to become a reality, it is going to take a powerful move of God's Holy Spirit in and through every one of us. And we're, we've got a series that we're starting next week that we're calling Forgotten God, where we're going to unpack and talk about this power source that we have in the Holy Spirit that we need to tap into if we're gonna live out the redemptive potential of Journey Church. I couldn't be more excited about that series. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.